0: You are listening to a Suffolk free radio podcast. The views and opinions expressed on after dinner coffee are the views and opinions of the show personalities only and do not reflect those of Suffolk University. With us today is Sydney Thirk-Kell. She's my cousin. She is a sophomore at UMass Amherst with a concentration in neuroscience. And today we will be talking about why we sleep, why it's important, and how to consciously improve your own sleep habits. So welcome, Sydney. Hi, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be talking today. Yeah, me too. So I want to start off with why is this topic one of interest to you? So I've always known that I wanted to study
1: something in the field of science, but I was kind of unsure of what. And I was very intrigued by psychology, but I kind of wanted to do it on a more science-based level. So in my senior year of college, uh, senior year of high school, sorry, Um, I found the field of neuroscience. So I'm at UMass Amherst, concentrating in neuroscience. Um, And I basically wanted to know how, why, and where our thoughts, desires, and one of my core interests, sleep, happens. Um, So the study of neuroscience is basically defined by the structure and function of the central nervous system which includes the brain and spinal cord and also the peripheral nervous system which are the nerves that come from the spinal cord and extend to other parts of our body. Oh
0: wow. Okay. Yeah, so you're interested in psychology and, you know, neuroscience gave you more of that scientific perspective so you could really get into sleep.
1: Yeah, it was basically the interest in Uh, behavior and trying to dig a
0: little deeper
1: into why it happens and how.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I really want to talk about sleep because I think it's super important, obviously, and especially people around our age, they tend to struggle with getting enough. And so I really wanted to talk about, like, what are some barriers that you have to getting enough sleep? Yeah, so
1: I, the reason
0: I am so interested in sleep is because
1: I always kind of struggled with it since I was younger, Um, and sometimes I get too much, sometimes I get too little, and a lot of times I deal with insomnia, which can be described as the trouble of falling asleep or staying asleep, Um, and although in times like summer where I can sleep in late when it comes to school or work, I can usually only manage to get five or six hours and for some people that might be enough but in our age group it should be around seven to nine hours so my body doesn't function very well off of only um five hours of sleep um so this kind of started my interest in circadian rhythm which is basically just a biological clock that works around the reception of light so it starts and stops the secretion of certain hormones when necessary um and my interest of tracking my own sleep started when I got a Fitbit, actually. Yeah. Uh, so I basically found that my average uh, deep sleep a night was about thirty minutes, and it really should be anywhere from like an hour to half an hour, um, half an hour to an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I was not getting enough. Um, And then I started looking into different sleep disorders, how the circadian rhythm works, and what the different phases of sleep consisted of. Um, And I found that the circadian rhythm is a 24 to 25 hour biological clock that essentially acts um, in response to light. So that, which I will explain later, is a very important factor of how and when we sleep. Um, So I researched different areas, disorders like sleep apnea, insomnia, restless leg syndrome, circadian rhythm disorders, Um, and in the end, like personally, my doctor just kind of told me that it was due to anxiety, but after researching this so much and being kind of fascinated with this um, for my actual like study and hopefully my career, I found that I might not be anxious I'm not sleeping I might be anxious
0: I'm sorry I might not you might not have trouble sleeping because you're anxious but instead be anxious because you didn't get enough sleep exactly yeah yeah it tends to be like these two things go hand in hand there's like a comorbidity with them where it's like if you have anxiety you tend to have sleep problems but like you pointed out it's not so straightforward where it's you're anxious you can't fall asleep it is you're anxious you can't fall asleep and then you can't fall asleep so you're more anxious and it's like a reverse causation type thing i think
1: it's definitely very much a cycle that goes back and forth and so i don't think one necessarily causes the other i think that they are correlated in the fact that if you have one could cause the other and as soon as you have the other it will cause
0: it'll just go back and forth you know yeah exactly they definitely play into like affecting each other quite a bit so Mm -hmm. so I do want to get a little bit deeper into sleep itself so you know each phase of sleep and the importance of them yeah so I think depending on who you ask I think the function and
1: importance of sleep can be very broad um so I think I'm going to focus on explaining the different stages of sleep and what each of them are important for. Um, So first we have stage one, which is known as N1 sleep. And the reason it's N1 is because it's referring to non-REM sleep, meaning um, there's no rapid eye movement during this. So N1, 2, and 3 all are non-REM. So okay. the first stage is, um, it only lasts about 10 minutes, and it's basically, you're almost still conscious, but not quite, and you can be woken up very easily to light or sound, or if somebody came into your room, you might wake up, so it, it, it's not, it's between. Like an yeah, it's not a very important part, but it's important for actually falling asleep, you kind of have to go into N1, and then you'll go to the next stage. Okay. So, N2 sleep is uh, 30 to 60 minutes. So, this is where it gets kind of important. Um, Your breathing and heart rate and your blood pressure all begin to slow down. And this is where we have slow waves, which is known as um, delta waves in terms of brain activity. Um, And this is also the stage of sleep, which sleep spindles occur. Um, And from what I've read, sleep spindles are basically a burst of brain activity while still being asleep and we're not sure exactly why they happen but I theorize that the brain is maybe shutting down um, sensory input which is to the thalamus and it helps us with memory and processing in terms of like long-term memory oh, that's interesting. Uh, so yeah we're not they're not exactly sure why sleep spindles happen but that's the theory that it's kind of starting to shut your um, your sensory input down so you can focus on your sleep instead of your external stimuli. Oh, okay. So stage three is known as N 3 um, and it can last anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes. Uh, this stage is known for being what we call deep sleep um, because the de- this is when the delta waves are longest and the amplitude is the highest. Um, and it's hard, it's the hardest to be woken up from so some scientists say that this is the part of sleep that's extremely important for things like strengthening the immune system um and it's also the hardest to be woken up from because your sensory input is almost completely shut down so all external stimuli isn't really being processed and you're just completely in this deep state of like just in your head um, and so this is also where night terrors and sleepwalking may occur which i think some people think that this that all your dreams and night terrors or nightmares all happen in the same stage but your your night terrors and sleepwalking actually occur in n3 um
0: which would make sense because it's really hard to wake someone up if they're sleepwalking or having night terrors it's really hard to like wake them up and once you do wake them up it's really hard for them to understand what's going on it's very disorienting for sure and i think also the whole sleepwalking
1: thing um which they found is in non-rem sleep is because which i'll talk about in a minute rem sleep actually inhibits any um motor movement so this is why you really don't toss and turn once you're dreaming it's mostly when you have when you're having your vivid rem dreams you will be pretty much still which is kind of going into the whole conversation about sleep paralysis you might wake up but not be able to move um
0: so yeah that's
1: in REM that's in REM yes because your motor control is basically inhibited um or not control I'm sorry just movement um so yeah getting into REM this is stage four and just to preface these don't happen all linearly um so it could go from n1 to n2 back to n1 and then to n3 and then and then to REM. so it's definitely not just linear but it it does go back and forth and again these cycles happen because they're fairly short and i mean we sleep for hopefully eight hours a night so they um they happen multiple times over the night. So it might not be the same exact cycle every time, but they're all happening within one cycle. Okay. So REM sleep, um, also known as rapid eye movement sleep, is definitely different from non-REM. This is a stage where we are known to vividly dream, as I said, and although non-REM sleep, dreaming can still occur they're usually shorter and they're not the dreams that we necessarily remember or tell people about. This is the dreams that we remember all in usually REM sleep. So, as I said, again, this is where motor function is inhibited and it's actually due to the release of the neurotransmitter acetylcholine. Um, And it's extremely important for memory consolidation and important memories of the day that you just lived and similar to n2 again just consolidating um and that actually just takes me into the next topic of dreaming which is
0: very exciting yeah i've always been so fascinated in dreaming and sleep itself is obviously super important for a lot of reasons with your brain as well as you know body immune system but dreaming is something that is just so it's so interesting like how it happens why certain dreams like occur everything like that um but I really did want because I know you have a lot of information on this I really did want to get into more of like the scientific functions of dreaming yeah
1: I think a lot of people have just kind of pushed away the fact that we we don't live other lives but we have all these experiences in our head while we sleep and I think a lot of people have just said oh yeah they're just they're fun, they're scary, they're sad, but we, they're not part of our real function. Like, when we're alive, we're alive, and then when we sleep, we're kind of shutting down for the night, and then we wake back up and kind of think about other things after. Um, but I think there is a real purpose to why we dream and why REM sleep is so important. Um, so in terms of non-REM sleep, which is N1, N2, and N3, um, this is this will help with motor learning um so something like learning a new instrument playing a new sport or other physical activities that require coordination um so there's no acetylcholine in non-REM sleep um which is essentially the focus neurotransmitter so although motor learning is enhanced there's no um real attention for detail during these phases um and then on the other hand norepinephrine and serotonin are both released during non-REM sleep and the neurotransmitter epinephrine is basically for alertness and allows for movement in the body so when you say I was tossing and turning all night it's going to be in N1, N2 or N3 because once we get into REM um, this is where we do not move and we are vividly dreaming so norepinephrine is not present at all during REM sleep so this basically puts us into like a paralysis of sorts um you're not moving and it's it's where the acetylcholine will be released it's that real focus to detail um and so this is why when a dream may be concerning or upsetting you may not have any actual anxiety while you're experiencing it only once you wake up because if there's no epinephrine present norepinephrine is also a neurotransmitter related to the whole fight-or-flight response. Um, so if there's none of that present, even in nerve-wracking or in anxiety-ridden dreams, you're not going to actually have those emotions during it. I mean, you might when you wake up. That's but so interesting. Yeah, So and that's, again, why I brought up the whole night terror or nightmare situation might be more in non-REM or it's theorized that maybe when we wake up, we, we, get, we get the norepinephrine pump once we wake up, so we might feel those once we wake up from the dream, but during the dream, we might not actually have those feelings, right. which is, there, there is a purpose to that. Um, so I would infer, and from reading some stuff, I think that the reason we aren't supposed to fear the dreams that we're having is because when we're processing the day that we had just lived we're able to relive these experiences without certain anxiety or fear attached which is to allow our brains to logically consolidate what's necessary and what's
0: not that's actually that's like so fascinating because the thing is like when you're experiencing at least in my like personal experience when you're experiencing anxiety it's really hard to think logically and it's really hard to kind of fully understand what's going on. So I guess like inferring from what you said, like through dreaming, we can experience and process the things that might have happened without Mm -hmm. the anxiety presence so that you can, yeah, like you said, so that you can like logically consolidate it. Interesting. Exactly.
1: So um, the importance or like really function of REM sleep is essentially have a place to sort out what emotions are rational for certain situations and what are not so for example if you were to slip and fall in front of a bunch of people during the day um you might be embarrassed um and rather oh, it, you don't want to hold on to that for the rest of the, your life just being embarrassed <laughs> <Right. sometimes laughs> in front of a bunch of people so when you go to sleep your brain is is able to really detach that anxiety to the next day you might not have the same embarrassment or humiliation it might be lingering but you're not going to have that anxiety about something falling for the next three weeks that's something that your brain rationally pulls the me the emotion away from that memory and might allow you to consolidate the memory but not necessarily consolidate the emotion that you had with it um, at the same time which again allows you to kind of rationally realize that it really didn't have that much meaning it was just a moment in time that
0: happened yeah um, and like farther it gets away the like less you feel embarrassed about it because you're like oh it was you know so and so how many years ago and you're right as you dream it probably just becomes less and less like relevant
1: mm-hmm. so like on the other side of this um during this stage your brain logically keeps emotions relating to important things that might have happened that day so for example if you were sitting in class and you had a very intuitive question and your professor would appraise you your brain might actually keep the emotion with that memory and consolidate them together so that way it kind of your brain is kind of hinting at whatever you learned was important so if you're having a a, a positive um emotion while also learning something your brain is gonna say okay this is important or important enough to consolidate them together um so it's basically like a difference between learning and unlearning um like the meaning of what's rational and what's not for the memories that you experienced that day um okay. and You could argue that the whole unlearning process is almost more important, not to say that it is, but you could argue because without the unlearning, you may experience kind of a lack of reality in terms of what's crucial and what's not. So you might have more anxiety, more mood swings, you might be more depressed if you aren't unlearning the memories that you create in your head are maybe anxiety ridden but in reality your brain will help you unlearn the fact
0: that it really wasn't as bad as you thought during that time Um, Uh, okay so what you're saying is like basically your brain would be kind of oversaturated with emotions and all these memories that are attached to these emotions if you didn't go through the unlearning process exactly so
1: for people that meet that have a lot of anxiety, we might be able to correlate the fact that maybe they're not getting enough REM sleep because in order to really get rid of those anxious thoughts and have kind of almost a fresh start to new each day is making sure that you're unlearning the anxiety from the day before. And if you're not getting enough REM sleep, then you're going to continue to have that your ability or anxiety or fear in the fact that you didn't unlearn those memories from the day before or the day before that or from last week. And so your brain, again, like you said, is really oversaturated by the fact that you
0: have all these things constantly kind of overrunning your thoughts. Wow. And so your brain is less equipped even to, like, the next day understand what you should be giving your emotional attention to. Exactly. It's
1: it's like without REM sleep, I think you lack emotional regulation, um, and in our generation, which I'll get into the fact that I think we are prone to getting a lot less sleep or getting the right kind of sleep, um, I think that the mental health situation in our generation is could be caused or somewhat correlated to the fact that we might not be getting enough sleep, whether it's from looking at our phones all night or from... Uh, having to stay up till 3 a.m. doing an assignment to make sure you submit it on time.
0: Right and emotional regulation is so important and I notice it in myself if I don't sleep enough even just for one night I'm suddenly crying over like random things I'm getting easily Mm -hmm. frustrated by like simple problems and a lot of times it's simply just because I did not get enough sleep and my memory is like all messed up and i just don't know how to like differentiate between what i should be giving my attention to
1: yeah it really puts a sort of fog over um what's what's important enough to pay attention to like you said you kind of you might get one problem wrong in a homework and you end up being so frustrated you end up crying you know the lack of um being able to differentiate between what's important and what's not I think really does come from the fact that we learn it in our sleep or consolidate what's important and what's not so yeah I think it creates some sort of brain fog when you're not really getting enough
0: right and I'm talking about like day-to-day not getting enough sleep but the thing is like I did want to get a little bit into sleep deprivation and how if you if you have this problem like consistently where you're not getting enough sleep it can get to the point where you're having literal hallucinations because mm-hmm. you cannot tell you know what's real what's not what's important what's not um, these are sort of severe cases but it does show like how much it can affect you yeah I think it like,
1: can really take a toll on your life especially because some people think oh if I only got three hours of sleep tonight well As long as I get 10 hours of sleep tomorrow night, then I'll be fine, I make up for it. But our bodies really don't work in that way because day to day it's important to be able to consolidate from what happened. So if you only get three hours of sleep that night, the next day you're going to be probably irritable, you're going to be maybe a little bit confused about what to focus on, and when you get 10 hours of sleep the next night, just because you got 10 hours does not make up for the night before. So regularly getting a a certain amount of sleep each night, even if it's just six, seven, getting that regularly is more important than trying to make up for what you have not got.
0: Yeah, exactly. I remember learning about that in high school in my psychology class where, like, it doesn't matter. Like you said, you know, you get three hours. It doesn't matter if you get 10 the next night. It's not going to fix the fact that you didn't get enough. Um, Because it's really on a day-to-day basis, I think. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I, re- I also really want to hear, um, what are some advice that you have for improving your sleep habits or getting, like, healthier sleep habits?
1: So, I don't think it's all, it's also, I know, I just talked about the importance of run sleep a lot, but I think just getting enough sleep in general or not getting enough sleep in general poses an issue. Um, because as I explained, I mean, each stage of sleep is has an important specific function, whether it's hormone regulation, learning, physical or motor skills, or like emotional control. Um, so one of the most like fascinating things I've learned so far about really getting into sleep and how to improve it um, through like my own actions is direct sunlight, which again sounds pretty trivial, but. The way in which our circadian rhythm works is quite literally just light. It it, right, it responds. It, it yeah. responds to light. So getting direct sunlight um, is extremely important, and I think this is really like heavily affected by society in terms of like our artificial light, our deadlines that we get things done, and our actual just social clock. I mean, you know, we might wake up at a certain time, but have We might not go to sleep at the time that we should because we have to get things done due to, like, the whole social construct um, of what we've made life. But I think that's another issue. Right.
0: Like, academics, (laughs) even even work is something that's, like, messing up my sleep schedule right now. It's just... Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: So, the way in which our biological clock starts and ends is really when you begin to see light and when you don't. So, the first thing to do if you want to make your sleep better, if you're having trouble falling asleep at night, which I found this can really actually help, um, is get up and go outside and try to get direct sunlight anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes if possible, Um, which roughly it'll equate to about 10,000 to 20,000 photons, which essentially will reach your optic nerve, and that will send a signal to your brain. And what mm-hmm. it will send a signal to is the produ- production and release of cortisol. So this increases your heart rate, and it increases your glucose rep- levels, and essentially gets you started for the day. So if you go outside from the minute you wake up, and you get this, this direct sunlight, mm-hmm. and you get your heart rate to start going, you get your glucose levels, then you're going to want to start the day. You're not going to have that extreme fatigue and exhaustion and tiredness you're gonna uh, you're gonna start to feel more awake and so what's the most important I think about this or at least for me because I struggle with insomnia most nights it starts a timer in your body and as most of us know um, melatonin is what helps us fall asleep so when you get the cortisol pump At the beginning of the day, it starts the timer in your body to know when to release the melatonin later. So if you're waiting to go outside till 2, 3 p.m., your body is not going to know when to release that melatonin later at night. Um, For anyone that doesn't know, melatonin is a hormone that makes you tired. So if you're not not getting the light, then you're not going to know when to release it, and then your body might release it way later, which also might make it harder to get up the next morning.
0: And I would say, like, if you don't say it's the winter or, you know, the sun's on up or whatever, even if you don't have the opportunity to, like, directly go outside, would you say even, like, opening a window or using some sort of sunlight lamp would at least somewhat help with this? Yeah, there's definitely
1: lamps that you can buy um, to help with the... I know in the winter it's hard, or if you have a schedule where... You can't get up to get those that direct sunlight right away. Um, There is like artificial lights that you can buy that produce more photons than the average like lamp that's probably in your room. So if you wanted that, you could go buy something like that, or like you said, just sitting by a window and opening the window. I think is important because it's it really is supposed to be direct. So even from in your house, you're not going to get the same. But opening a window or even just if you can walking outside for five minutes or standing on standing at your front door and opening it to just get that light into your eyes is what sends that signal to the cortisol
0: yeah because the only reason I bring that up is I struggle a lot in the winter with having energy I generally struggle with my energy but especially in the winter because of the lack of sunlight when I'm getting up um, as well as the sun setting at like four right and so i had i bought a sunlight lamp and like quite literally this was like the goofiest thing i would have to just like sit in front of it for like 20 ish minutes in the morning and i would sometimes turn it on like pretty low up until like six o'clock p.m because if the sun set at four i would still need to be up for a few more hours Mm -hmm. and i realized that this helped me like stay up as well as eventually fall asleep and get like actually good rest right
1: yeah i mean it sounds it sounds almost sillier you know it sounds like how much could this really help me wake up or fall asleep but i think people don't understand the direct impact of light on our like hormone and neurotransmitter regulation which is the definition of our circadian rhythm you know like it the light is needed to make it work and it is a 24 to 25 hour clock so if you're doing it on your own time and you're not going outside till 3 p.m or you're staying up till 2 2 a.m watching something on your phone or your laptop like that's really going to affect the way you sleep
0: yeah exactly
1: so um yeah I think again I talked about waking up and and getting that direct sunlight but making sure to, to I know this is hard for a lot of especially students or people that work late but trying to stop using light two hours before you go to sleep whether it's your phone, your laptop or even honestly um, if you have like bright overhead lights its it really is important an hour, two hours before you go to sleep to just dim those lights turn them off, put on maybe a warmer light or candle um because your body will definitely be confused if you're if you have these bright LED lights shining in your face and then all of a sudden you turn them off and go to sleep
0: yeah so you said about two hours right
1: yeah one to two hours again I know it's hard for like an average person that's trying to get things done especially at least for me being a student I definitely go late into the night trying to get things done um So, one to two hours, I think, before you go to sleep is important. To just have dim lights, maybe read a book, meditate, do something that... Listen
0: to a podcast.
1: Yeah, listen to (laughs) a podcast. Don't stare at your screen before you go to sleep. Even if it's just 30 minutes, just try not to look at your phone or computer right before you go to sleep. I think that really affects it.
0: And it gets easier. Like, literally start with, like, 10 minutes.
1: Yeah. Go to to 20, 30.
0: It really gets so easy as it builds up, because I used to always go on my phone right before bed, and sometimes I still do, or sometimes yeah, still I still mean, of it but. but I've been trying to put it away like about an hour, maybe an hour and a half before I go to sleep and just read a book or listen to music or even listen occasionally to a podcast, and it's just actually helped like so significantly with like falling asleep.
1: Mm-hmm. So.
0: I think like humans really are like creatures of habit
1: so if you make it a habitual thing where you start with 10 minutes the next night you try 15 the next night you try 20 and maybe you stay on 20 for a few days and then work your way up to just really an hour before you go to sleep just taking time to yourself making sure you're not looking at other people's lives and social media not look staring at computer screens just taking time to like breathe, kind of process the day, and get ready to get into bed, um, I think is, like, a really positive way to fall into sleep.
0: Yeah, even getting in the habit of, like, turning off your phone and then getting ready for bed, like, say you wash your face, brush your teeth, you know, drink some tea, whatever you do before bed, turn your phone off right before that, because that probably will give you about a half hour, and even something that small could help. Exactly. Um, and another issue, I
1: think, I mean, personally, it's a big issue for me. I drink about, like, two to three cups of coffee a day to, like, keep me going, um, but it's from the, the fact that caffeine stays in your system for a lot longer than you might feel the effects, it's said to reduce your intake of caffeine, to about six to eight hours before you go to bed Um, so for me I try to stop drinking it before one to two Mm
0: -hmm.
1: again there's some days where I'm definitely guilty of not doing that (laughs) but it's really important because so your adenosine is a receptor that promotes sleep but when you consume caffeine the reason it makes you maybe feel more awake or more alert is because it blocks that receptor the actual caffeine goes in and blocks it so yeah and it does this for multiple hours you might not feel the effects for multiple hours but it's blocking it's staying on that receptor for a while so if you're drinking a cup of coffee two hours before you go to bed that caffeine is still going to be blocking your adenosine
0: yeah i remember learning about that it's so interesting it just blocks your ability to like actually feel tired which is right really cool And I think that's part of like the habit
1: of going to sleep is like having that like feeling of like okay like I'm ready I'm kind of fatigued I'm a little bit exhausted like I want to get into bed and kind of wind down if you don't have that feeling then you're going to be up just like whether or not you actually need to sleep you're not going to feel like you need it
0: yeah and then getting used to like what happens is you can get used to caffeine and then keep needing more And it just, like, messes up your sleep habits a lot. And I find it funny because I think I'm a hypocrite in, like, almost every episode that I record because I'm giving advice on things that I don't even do. Um, But I used to drink so much caffeine. I would have, like, 250 milligrams, which is, like, I don't know, maybe three, four cups um, of coffee. I I drink it in energy drinks, so I don't really know. But cutting that down just in half – i can actually
1: fall asleep now which is insane so yeah i I think it's important to limit it but i know not everybody can do that so limiting it to six hours eight hours before you fall asleep will for sure make it easier so that's something that if you're trying to improve your own sleep definitely something to look at especially if you're a student um And also talking about, now I haven't read a ton about this, but the effects of alcohol and marijuana um, can actually reduce your deep sleep process. Um, And it also may limit your REM sleep, which we talked about is extremely important for emotional regulation. So if you're smoking or drinking before you go to bed, it might feel like you're getting a good night's sleep and you might actually be sleeping But if you are not getting enough REM sleep, you're going to lack memory consolidation and you're going to lack emotional
0: regulation. Right. And I I want to point out, I think it's a lot more obvious with alcohol where a lot Mm. of people have like, have you heard the term like anxiety? Oh yes. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're hungover and you feel extra anxious and you might feel kind of like foggy and everything like that after drinking alcohol, which is a lot more Mm -hmm. obvious. But the thing is like with marijuana too, it has a very similar effect where your memory isn't, like you said, consolidating. So even if you might not feel the same, like, you know, hangover or anxiety, it's still, it still can be damaging to your memory. Um, Yeah. And I know my audience is mostly like college students. (laughs) So I don't wanna like say I'm against both of those things. I'm definitely not, but the thing is just like, If you're struggling with your sleep, it's something that you can, like, focus on. Or, yeah, sleep
1: or during the day if you're struggling with irritability. Again, and I've said these words a million times probably since we started the podcast, but irritability, anxiety, depression, I think these are all something to take into account. Um, And it's not only if you have insomnia or if you have trouble sleeping, I think, to actually put these into effect to see... If during the day it helps you, after an, a good night of sleep of not drinking caffeine right before bed, maybe not drinking three to four times a week, only drinking maybe once, not smoking weed every time you fall asleep, um, making sure you aren't looking at light. Um, I think putting your sleep first—it really like putting yourself first because without it, you really can't function properly, even if it seems like you might be functioning socially fine, I think proper brain function is not happening if you are not sleeping right. So if you want to strengthen your immune system, um, consolidate your memory better, or just have more energy, I would really recommend trying to get a proper night's sleep, not just one or two nights out of the week. Again, getting regular sleep um, and focusing on your sleep habits will improve not only your sleeping hours but your waking hours as well
0: yeah wow that was a really good conclusion kind of covering like everything we talked about you know strong immune system better memory and it's something that you can you don't have to go like completely abstinent or like cold turkey with you know alcohol <laughs> um caffeine everything but mm. exactly like you said you know focusing on your sleep habits is gonna overall improve know your general health
1: right everything in moderation
0: <laughs> perfect well thank you Sydney so much
1: thank you so much for having me I'm so glad that we have this conversation I'm glad to uh talk about it with you and hopefully anybody who listens
0: yeah it's been awesome very insightful um and so if you out there listening have a topic you'd like to discuss feel free to message me at after dinner coffee on instagram thank you for listening